0: So I'm glad I'm saved today, Amen. But First Corinthians chapter, 16, chapter six, I'm sorry, verse number nineteen. The Bible says what? The Apostle Paul starts out with that word what? A question mark, questioning. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let us pray. Father in heaven, God in Jesus' name, we love you. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross of Calvary for us. Lord, we thank you for the good word of God, the good spirit of the Lord that humbly swept through this place this morning by the way of song. But God, as we come to the most important part of the service, I pray that you would help me to uh, preach your word. Dear God, not in the fear of man, but in the fear of a living God, that I'll have to stand before and be held accountable for whatever I say and whatever I do. And God, I pray that you would lead me, guide me, direct me in the past that you would have me to go this morning. God, I pray that if there's someone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, as their personal Savior, God, I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven, uh, blow out the gable end of their soul, convict them a sinner, they would come to the cross before it's everlasting too late. Lord, as we see what's happening in the world behind us and around us, God, we know the time is nigh. Even one of the foreign leaders this week said you better get ready for the battle of Armageddon. There is even those that are uh, uh, in our own country that are saying, you better get ready because time is nigh. Even this preacher that's speaking right at this point point moment knows biblical prophecy is coming to fruition. And we must be ready to meet the Lord. And God, I pray today that we as Christians will become stronger. And God, that the lost will be saved. uh, And Lord, people will get help from the Word of God this morning. Lord, I pray that you would undergird me with spirit and power from above. And Lord, help me to preach your Word in Jesus' name. We do humbly ask and pray, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated today. I'm thinking on this particular thought this morning, what sin does to a Christian? What sin does to a Christian? When a person is saved, we've got to understand today that we're born into the family of God. And no longer do we belong to the devil. uh, But our names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. uh, And our lives uh, now belong unto the God of heaven. Amen. But many a people I do believe Satan slips them a counterfeit. And when I say that Satan slips them a counterfeit, I do mean this. Uh, I believe there's a false sense of security amongst some people. I believe they feel like that they're okay with God uh, when in actuality they are not okay with God. For the Bible tells us when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into our heart uh, and comes into our life, we become new creatures uh, in Christ Jesus. And when we are new creatures in Christ, it'll change the way you talk, uh, it'll change the way that you walk, uh, it'll change Change the way that you act. Uh, you'll start praying. You'll start going to church. You'll start uh, reading the Word of God. You'll start telling others your story about how Jesus touched you and changed your life, my friend. That's what happens when you get a good dose of old-fashioned salvation, and it only comes by one. For Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me." But once we're saved, once we're genuinely bloodbought and brought into the family of God, we fight. the the enemy. We fight the enemies daily. And I believe today that the, the Christians are in the biggest battle of their life. Because the devil himself wants to pull you down. Uh, he wants to discourage you. Uh, he wants to take you out and move you away from the things of God. But may I say today greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. We're going to have battles from time to time. Uh, we're going to have wars from time to time with our flesh. Uh, we're going to have battles with others uh, and then that of the wicked that are in high places but I'm glad to know that my Savior's alive as well I'm glad to know that I'm in the family of God and I know that the family of God should and will support one another but my friend sin often sneaks into the family of God sin often creeps into your life and it creeps in unaware I'm speaking to every Christian that may be listening this morning because this is important just because you're saved doesn't mean That you're free from sin We've got a lot of things that we carry around with us That weigh us down It may be hatred It may be jealousy It may be baggage of some sort That that, that is sinful in the eyes of God And I'm not even named Some of the grotesque sins of the flesh today That Christians tend to get tied up in Listen, I don't want it to be all about my flesh this morning I want it to be all about the Lord Jesus Christ And His saving grace Because I know whom I serve And I know that my Redeemer lives And I know that He is the one that can answer our prayers He is the one that can change our lives He is the one that can reach down and touch the sick And I still believe that He raises the dead I believe in that good God of heaven But what does sin do to a Christian? Number one, sin separates us from the fellowship of God the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter number fifty nine and verse two But your iniquity iniquities that sin have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. And now listen, I know there's many a times when you're saved, you go through valleys, you go through trials, you may go through some troubles, and you begin to feel like that God's left you. May I say if you're genuinely bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ today, He said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. Oh, but preacher, why do I feel the way that I do? Why do I feel like God's a million miles away? Have you ever thought that you're the one that may have moved away from God? Because that's what happens Sometimes. And it's the the iniquity in our life, the sin in the Christian's life will separate us from the fellowship of God. All of a sudden you become bitter. All all of a sudden you become nasty. All of a sudden you become to a point to where uh, when I say nasty, you know we can be nasty with one another sometimes. (laughs) You know, uh, just our attitudes sometimes uh, uh, end up being nasty. Amen. But I'm glad to know today uh, that we can still come to God in repentance uh, and ask God to help us with the nastiness in our life, uh, with the sin that takes place in our life. And I know that our God is able. Amen. Sin separates us from the fellowship of God. Sometimes we sit and we wonder, Why cannot my prayer be answered? Many a times the The prayers are not answered in the fashion that you desire in your heart because sin separates our communication with God. Sin separates us from fellowshipping with the Father. And when He when we become separated in that form and fashion, He turns a deaf ear to your prayer. I'm glad to know today that although He may have turned a deaf ear to your prayer or may not have answered it in the form or fashion that you desire, I am glad to know that we do serve a prayer answering God. Why do we go through things in this life? Uh, Sometimes uh, we are chastised. Uh, God chastises the ones that He loves according to the Word of God. Uh, And when we're chastised, uh, often it is part of judgment of God. Uh, The judgment that brings us back to our knees in prayer. Uh, A lot of times it's chastisement that brings us down to where we need to be. Uh, uh, Sometimes we get too lofty for everybody else and think we're the it stuff. Uh, I'm here to tell you, we're nothing in the eyes of God today except for His supreme creation. But in, in God's eyes, listen, we're just an old sinner saved by grace and we are worth saving, we're worth reaching down to and helping and God is our biggest advocate. He is our, listen, He's our greatest fan. But when we measure up to Him, we are ever so low. We can measure ourselves up against somebody else. I could, I could go down here and try to measure myself up to Brother Aaron and say, Well, look at here. I'm spiritual. He's here. We're pretty close. You know, I can say that. And we can all say, Well, I'm just as spiritual as this one, or I'm as spiritual as that one over here. Now, don't measure it up between once another. Measure it up to the true measuring stick, which would be the God of heaven. That's who we need to measure up against. Amen? Um, but sin separates us. From the fellowship of God I don't know about you But I love the sweet fellowship of the Lord I've seen it many a times How God shows up uh, And begins to touch people's hearts Just as He did this morning Uh, The the sweet Holy Ghost of God Just come through so sweetly And so kindly And so humble And began to speak to people's hearts And people began to talk to the Lord uh, On an altar of prayer Uh, My friend listen That is the sweet fellowship of God It's the sweet fellowship of God When you're riding down the road uh, And that gospel song comes on on the radio and begins to touch your heart and tears begin to flow out of your eyes like a river. That's the sweet fellowship of God. The sweet fellowship of God is not always in the shout. Now I'll be the first one to tell you, I love to shout. I love to hoop, holler and run. But I'm here to tell you sometimes God just sweetly comes in and settles in and said I'm here. And everybody just reverences His greatness. Listen, we're nothing today without God. Amen. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, he can take somebody that appears or somebody that appears to be nobody and make them somebody. What I'm saying is he can take a life that has been destroyed by sin. And God can take it and rearrange it and make you who you need to be. Amen. But number two, sin not only separates us from the fellowship of God, but sin will destroy the joy of your salvation. I have never in my lifetime of ministry. I've been saved since 1993. I've been pastoring since for, for for seventeen years. And I have never seen a day in a time where Christians, supposed to be blood bought Christians, are so depressed, distressed, and no joy. I don't understand that. You see, but you lose your joy from time to time. And that is another uh, 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 thing of the enemy that he brings up against you. You begin to lose your uh, joy. And when you begin to lose your joy, you begin to lose your joy to go into church. And every excuse in the book comes up for you not to go to the house of God. You begin to lose the joy of testifying. Those that once stood up and testified and praised God for what they've done, they're all of a sudden they're quiet. They're not wanting to stand up anymore. They lose their joy of seeing souls saved. And when you reach this state, my friend, you begin to find fault in everything and in everybody. And it's almost like they become the most miserable person in the world. And Aaron, they want you to be miserable with them. huh? Listen, I don't know about you today. I know the world's in a mess. (laughs) I know that sin is running rampant. But I know that my God's still on the throne. And I know if the trumpet was to sound today, my friend, I'm getting out of here, uh, and I'm going to live forever with Jesus. So how bad could it get? And may I say this, it's going to get worse before it gets bad. But don't let the world steal your joy. Don't let some knucklehead steal your joy. Now, what do you mean, knucklehead? Well, I know a lot of people that have been taught right. I know a lot of people that halfway try to do right. I know a lot of people that are good people. And they know better. But every once in a while, they're a knucklehead. And they want to say something to bring you down. Or they may want to say something to tear you down. And you know, the old adage is true. Uh, Actually, it's, it's, it's not true. They'll say, sticks and stones may... Break my bones. But words will never hurt me. The tongue is sharper than a sword. It's a lie. All this time you thought it was true. It's a lie. Words do hurt. But you have to gain victory over the hurt. You have to gain victory over that which has been hurtful. And you, listen, uh, most of the times when somebody says something negative about you or they try to pull you down, it's usually because of some reason or the other. Uh, Usually they may be jealous of what you are, who you are, what you are, what your family may be. Usually they may be jealous or just, uh, uh, I don't know, they just might be having a bad day. I don't know. But may I say this today, God gives victory over that. Amen. God gives victory, although it may hurt from time to time. And usually what people may say about the other is not even true. So they become a liar in the process. it try, and the devil uses that to push your buttons, and the devil uses that to try to remove the joy of your salvation. Listen, I would like to stand here and and, and proclaim to you or would love to proclaim to you this morning that I never get discouraged, uh, that I never get down, uh, that I never feel sad, uh, and that I'm full of joy all the time. Uh, But my friend, I'm here to tell you that would not be true. Uh, I go through battles. uh, I go through struggles just like you do, uh, and just like anybody else would do. Uh, I mean, Listen, the ground is level at the cross. I've just got a calling that you may not have today. And I preach the word of God. So you know we all go through these battles. And when we have those battles and when the joy seems seems to leave that's when we need to get on the altar of prayer and pray for someone. Or pray for ourselves. Amen. But a lot of times people lose their joy not because of a, a what somebody else does to them, but they lose their joy because of their own fit findings and mess that they've got in. Because a lot of times we blame our mess on everybody else except for the true problem when sometimes it's us. Lord knows I've been in messes before and I look back and I said, man, how did I do that? I messed that thing up. Listen, we've all been there. But when your joy is running low, we need to take a checkup and find out why. Amen. And not allow skeptics from, and words from other people to try, to try to tear us down. But number two, make sure our life is right too. Listen, if there's anyone in this house today that the devil wants to take down, it's me. That goes for any church. If he can rip away my joy... And I can get up here and show you that I have no joy. He's gained victory. But I'm here to tell you. My God is a God of joy. My God is a God that loves me. Amen. And he loves you sin will destroy the joy of your salvation but number three, sin will bring the chastening hand of God, we talk about the chastening hand of God just a few minutes ago in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 the Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, folks when we get whipped because of disobedience and unwillingness to confess our sin the chastening may be the sickness, the chastening may be the disappointments, uh, the chastening may be the trouble, uh, the chastening may be the financial loss, it comes your way one way or the other. God has a way of getting our attention. And sin in our life moves us away from God, and the chastening hand of God brings us back to where we need to be. And we begin to think, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And you may think that you're free from sin today, but I know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We may all say that we haven't done anything this bad or that bad. I guarantee you, everybody in here sinned before they come to the house of God today. And you've probably sinned since you've been sitting here. Amen? God, y'all not admitting it to me today, but you, you know the preacher knows the truth up here. Well, I ain't do nothing. Well, you just sinned. You told a lie. In the house of God. Well, are you serious? Is that Listen. I man, has never had a bad thought. How many has never had an evil thought? Somebody probably said, my gosh, how many songs are they going to sing this morning? Oh, oh, that hit a nerve. I got an answer for you. Ever how long the Lord lead us? (laughs) Amen. How long is he going to preach this morning? Oh, we got, we're we're doing good. It's 10 to 12. I'm trying to hurry. Amen. I know your beans are burning. The chastening hand of God will come against you. Amen. It'll straighten the sin out of your life. But number four, I'm trying to hurry. I know the storms are coming and pray that that, that God will spare us all this bad stuff that's coming by the way of the weather. But listen, number four, sin causes God to take away the precious things in our life. Precious things can be ripped from our grips uh, by a God that is trying to love us and show us compassion, and ch- and it, but, but he's chastising us. But it, it causes God to take away some of those things. What do you mean, preacher? I don't believe that. Listen, day, because of David's sin, God took away the most precious thing that he had, and that was a child. Oh, preacher, God wasn't in. Listen. God can take away the precious things. To get your attention. You see, that baby's safe in Jesus. That baby's in heaven. No matter what some theologians may think, that baby's safe in Jesus. Don't give me that stuff about that baby not being baptized, that baby not being able to accept Christ. No, 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 no. That baby hadn't reached the age of accountability. That baby has not, has no even thought of this world hardly, except it's wanting something to eat and wanting to be cleaned up. Let me say, that baby's safe in the arms of Jesus. But David had to be brought back to a place where he could go and be reunited. And if you remember correctly, David, in the scripture, David was crying over that baby the whole time the baby was sick. David was crying and that he was weeping. But when David left the scene, the baby when the baby had passed on and David moves away from the scene, he's rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing? Because he's going to see that baby. Once again, and all of that baby's splendor and all of that baby's glory in a place called heaven. You know, it really irks me the way people would mistreat a child, a little, tiny little baby, because there's so many people that want children that can't necessarily have children. When we were in Alabama this week, I, we had a great meeting a couple of days there with the pastor and his wife. And I, I told this in Sunday school I believe if anybody received help in this revival, It was the pastor and his wife because they were holding on to so many things. They were up Wednesday morning until 3 o'clock talking about Tuesday night's message. I preached on throwing Jonah off the boat. I preached it here not too long ago. And they were talking about how they were holding on to things of their life that was hindering them spiritually. One of the things that the wife was holding on to was she wants a child so bad. She's had like three or four miscarriages. The doctors are saying that she can't have a child. And she kept holding on to that, and it was robbing her of her joy, and it was robbing her of the things that she wanted to do in life. But she said, Preacher, I found victory today. I throw Jonah overboard. And you know where that wound up to Wednesday night? It wounded up being me and the elders of that church gathering around that preacher and his wife, anointing them and praying that God would give them the desires of their heart. They want a child. Someone asked me one time, would you pray that we adopt? We're trying to, we want a baby so bad and we can't have a baby. Would you pray that we adopt? I said, I'm not praying that you adopt a baby. I love adoption. Adoption is needed. And that is a great thing. Don't take me wrong. But what I did say was this. I said, what you need to do. I said, I'm not going to pray that you have an adoption, but I will pray that the Lord give you a child. I remember when we were looking to build our home and we were looking for some property and the lady that was helping us, uh, she was unchurched. She she didn't belong to a church anywhere. I began to pray about, about the property and then she began to share her heart with me one day and she began to say, you know, a preacher, I, I, I'm just... I, we, me and my husband, we want a child, and we can't have one. And the doctor says, we can't have a child. And, and I don't understand why. And she began to break down, and she began to weep, and she began to cry. I said, let me tell you something. I said, first of all, we need to get things right with God yourself. And then let's try to ask God to help you uh, to have that child. And you know what happened? We came in here in church. I, was, I can't believe it. Was, I remember if it was a Wednesday or a Sunday. We began to pray. I mentioned her name. And, and, and nothing that I did, nothing that you did. But we called on the God of heaven. And it wasn't two months later she called me and she said, Preacher, we're having a baby. Thank you for praying. If God could do it then, he could do it for that preacher in Alabama and his wife. Amen. But sin comes in and takes away the most precious things from time to time in us. But number five, sin can bring a premature death. God's patience becomes exhausted. He turns us over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. Folks, if one does not mind God and repent at the chastening hand of God, they continue in sin and there'll be a time when God signs their death warrant and they fill a premature grave. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5 5 to deliver such and one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. See, the solution to sin in a Christian's life this morning is 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We began to think, we began to ponder the scripture. Folks, there, uh, listen, we, we, we think about the unpardonable sin. One of those that, uh, that, that would sin against the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there's no forgiveness in that unpardonable sin. Sinning against the Holy Ghost. We think about Proverbs 29 and 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. Sinning away their day of grace. What I'm trying to say is God will knock for the last time. We are invited into salvation. I'll get saved when I get ready. No, you won't. You'll get saved when God invites you to be saved. And when we're invited into salvation, we know that, 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 that the Spirit of God is dealing with our heart. We know that the Spirit of God is pulling at our, our soul and our heart and our mind. And we're under conviction and we're feeling like, you know, I've got to get out of this place or I've got to get saved or I've got to run the other way. God will let you run the other way. But there'll be a time when God knocks and knocks and knocks and you're not responding. And you turn, listen, He turns you over to a reprobate mind and He no longer draws you. I'm here to tell you, you're in serious trouble today if that's you. I don't want to cross one of God's deadlines today. I don't want to be caught off guard in the sins of this world. Sin separates from the fellowship of God. Sin destroys the joy of salvation. Sin brings the chastening hand of God. Sin causes God to take away many of the precious things in our life. And sin can bring a premature death. Ask those that have been there. Ask those that decide to get behind the wheel intoxicated. And the intoxication part is bad enough and sinful enough. But they go get behind the wheel and they kill some innocent child. Or they kill some innocent person. And isn't it it crazy that always the one that loses their life is the one that was trying to do right? And yet it was that one that was uh, hopped up on dope or drugs or alcohol that comes away with not even a scratch. It's always the the good guy that went down. Or the the precious little girl that, that lost her life undeservingly. How do you deal with things like that in your life? Folks, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. But let me tell you this. Our God is still able. Our God is still able to take care of every sin. Our God is still able to grant forgiveness to those who will ask. Our God is still able to save a lost soul that's on their way to hell without Jesus. Our God is still able to do things miraculous in this world and in the lives of people. I've seen it myself. I've seen it. What is your need today? What is your need? When I got called to preach, if I did not answer the call of God, I ran for six months. If I did not answer the call of God, I was fearing that God would take my child. I was fearing that God may take my wife. She'll tell you, I call her every 10 minutes to find, Are you okay? Are you okay? Where are you? Are you doing fine? Why are you calling me so much? I'm just going across the the highway here. And then later on she understood what I was battling. It was almost dangled out there that I I had to answer the call of God. Or I was going to die or somebody was going to die around me close and and get my attention. And I knew that was God. I knew that was God tugging at my heart. I knew that was God uh, reaching toward me. You're going to have to do it. And I knew what the scripture said. And I knew that obedience is better than uh, the the sacrifice. And I wanted to be obedient unto God. But I was scared to death for my family. I was scared to death that that baby was going to be gone. I was scared to death for my wife to get on the road and drive. Not because she's a a bad driver. She drives like grandma. Amen. She's a good driver, boy. She never speeds. Some of you seen her going down the road, you know what I mean. Because you'll wave your hand at her and she's like, she never gets her eyes off the road. But my point is this today, church. I was fearful of that. And when we're disobedient to God, you ought to be fearful. You ought to be fearful. When we've got sin in our life, unconfessed sin in our life, we ought to be fearful. Because some things could happen to the saint of God. And be in the will of God that we may think is horrible. But God has not appointed us to wrath. But I believe God has appointed us to be obedient. I'm going to ask Sister Pam to come around and play the piano. I want you to stand across the building today. I hope the word has helped somebody today. Whatever your need may be today, this altar's open. Our policy is nobody prays alone. If you see somebody praying, go pray with them. It's okay, it's good to have encouragement. Someone come up and pray with these guys. Nobody prays alone. We don't want you to pray alone. We want to be compassionate. We want to show the love of God. We want to be compassionate with one another. But as we pray, if you've got a need, you come. You may be here lost, don't know Jesus as your Savior, He'll save you. You may be here, you've been saved, you're out of God's will. First John 1, 9 is for you. Ask the Lord to come, forgive you of your sin. You may have another need in your life. Whatever it may be, God's got the answer. As these are already praying, Father in heaven, God in Jesus' name, we love you. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I pray that you do the office work in the hearts of the people around this altar already. Dear God, you give them help from heaven. Lord, help us to be obedient unto thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.